This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Rap music has improved like over the last few decades, right? But I still think it still lingers with me that I'm actually pretty sure MF Doom sucks. And I just sort of <laughs> I just sort of wanted to put it to you because like you and I are of an age where like Mad Villainy came out when we were like 21, 22, and there was this critical consensus of like, oh yeah, Mad Villainy. Finally, Mad Lib and the greatest indie rapper ever, MF Doom, are together. And I still remember, look, our good friend at the time, Keith, was like, I bought three copies of it on vinyl. One to play, because I'll just wear it into the ground. One to play at special occasions, because the normal one will be wrecked up. And one to never, ever play and give to my grandchildren. I remember being like, of course. Mad Villainy, greatest album ever. <laughs> but now that MF Doom's dead, I'm sort of like, <laughs> like, I, you know, like, he's certainly not a good bloke. Shag, you'll remember he wore a mask whenever he performed. And so, like, there are a huge number of shows where he just send someone else to go and mm-hmm. they just play the track and they'd be like, yeah, 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 just, like, pretending to rap into the mask. So not a good bloke and I think not a particularly good rapper. And the reason I want to put it to you is I think you've got the right sort of expertise of a an accomplished expert ear for music generally that can appreciate good and bad rap music aside from the little trend that I might have been writing at the moment. Was MF Doom any good is my question. So one of the themes we've discovered that this show is about after Mm. more than 100 episodes on air Mm. is embracing the things you like and being true to yourself and being honest with yourself. And there's been so many moments in this show that have felt quite liberating to me. And this might be one of those moments because I have never thought to question the critical consensus that MF Doom isn't an 11 out of 10 perfect once-in-a-generation rapper. I've never right? thought to question it. I just right? thought, okay, well, he must be. Because to your point, look, I'm I'm very much a generalist when it comes to music. Like, mm. I like to be across as much as possible. So when I say something like, now you've told me that, mm. I think MF Doom is like a shittier, nerdier Lil Wayne. Yep. And at least Lil Wayne can write a beat really well. But, but who also doesn't try. So I'll think he's like, I don't try. And it's like, well... Like, <laughs> but it's like, I, like, it's just not fun as well. as the other funny thing. It was like, I'm not fun to listen to. Like, let's get into it. And it's like what, like, what are we even doing here? Oh, man. Well, look, what we are doing mm. here yes, yes. is celebrating each other's achievements. This is, mm-hmm. in many ways, this, is, this podcast is so many things. It's grown yes. into so many things over 100 plus episodes. Mm. It's very much a friendship achievements podcast. Yes. I am, I'm more and more, because of you, I'm getting more Mm. and more into TikTok. I'm actually kind of loving it. I'm getting the appeal. 
I'm enjoying dipping my toes in because I'm still very much a generalist when it comes to it. I'm not a specialist. Is that an achievement of yours that I'm congratulating you on for getting no. into TikTok? Well, yeah. No, no, no. I wanted to, I wanted to say, I don't mm. know when it happened. Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, mm. but you hitting 20,000 listeners on your legal talk influencer TikTok page. Yeah. Not a mean feat. Peach, well done. Yeah, thank you. 20,000. It took me two years and heaps of my followers are like, oh, you just popped up out of nowhere. And, and, like you did. and I'm like, like, with like August 2019, before Spooko started being pushed out, I was pushing out TikToks of being like, g'day, there was a liquidator. He <laughs> was liquidating a company and the directors didn't get along. And uh, classic, classic stuff. But thank you, Shag. I really appreciate it. Well, look, it's exciting stuff because mm. now you've got to the point where half of your videos are supremely entertaining videos of which you respond to the comments. And there's lots yep. of people... I mean, there's people who have sort of like general famous personality questions, but then there are people who have very specific legal questions, which I mm. always find really interesting because, you know, you give them thought, but you also give it a trademark peach swag answer, which I really enjoy. <laughs> What's my trademark you swag? Just, you just sort of... Like, there's a, there's a performative version of peach, which I know, yep. and is on this podcast. Yeah, he pops up here from time to time. Yeah, there's yeah. a few other versions of Peach that people aren't privy to. Mm. but Sexy Peach doesn't really pop up <laughs> <laughs> that much on this podcast. But I'd like to ask Swag Peach, mm. but also Law Brain Peach a question. Because this Speaking, is something... yeah. This is, this is something that we do on Spooker that I love. It's like, yep. let's combine some of the interests of this podcast outside of horror <laughs> exposure therapy. Yes. I want to stay with hip-hop, but specifically grime hip-hop from the UK, mm. but I want to imply the law to it. So one of the things we know, one of the things we know yes. is that you can't take a rapper to trial on the basis of their lyrics. Depending on the country, you can't be like, well, you said you did all these drug deals in lyrics because your argument is it's just some art. Yeah, right? so it's not an admission of liability. Yes, I understand. Now... Okay, so so this question's been bugging me all week. And honestly, mm. I've been waiting for this podcast to ask you this question. I love giving off the cuff. Look, a big <laughs> thing of TikTok is me giving free off the cuff legal advice. <laughs> Accepting liability and taking no money. It's good. It's a good model. <laughs> so, 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 so. There's mm. a newish rapper from Birmingham called Millions, who I'm super into. Mm. He's got a new record called Provisional License. Highly recommend checking it out. This counts as a review. Yep. He has a song in which the chorus says, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't want to misquote it. I can't remember mm. the exact lyrics in my head. So the, the general gist mm. is the chorus repeatedly says, so he says this about 10 times over the course of a song. If I'm telling any lies, engineer, cut the mic and turn off the track. Yo, if I'm telling any lies right now, engineer, cut the mic and level the track. Oh, I can't get so he is challenging us. Like if we took this track to court and millions of lawyers are like, well, it's not an admission, it's just a piece of art. And the prosecution were like, well, he said he was not telling. Like he basically dared us to say, I am telling the truth. Could we use this as an argument against millions? So when you're cross-examining millions, Shag, <laughs> if you're the prosecution, yeah. what you try to do in the prosecution is raise a prior inconsistent statement, right? So millions right now, you're saying it's a lie, <laughs> but if I can take you back <laughs> to 2021. And so the question you want to get to in cross-examination is you want to say, so were you lying then? Or are you lying now? Oh, my God. And then I'm putting it to him. So I'm going to be like millions. Are you going to tell me in court that 
even on the track when you're like, if I'm lying, you are actually lying. Yep. And so you then say to the judge, well, Millions is just going to say anything that he thinks is in his best interests. And so he, no words he says can be believed because he will just lie to sell records, you know, back in the past, or he will lie to avoid going to jail right here in this courtroom. So, Your Honor, any evidence Millions has to give uh, is a very little probative value. Uh, chuck him in, chuck him in the clink. I believe it's called. So let's flip this around. You're mm. millions as a lawyer, mm. and you've just heard this song. Are you going millions? What are you doing? Uh, well, no part of me would be like, oh, you're crazy for this one, millions. <laughs> keep, keep those lines nice and blurry. You know, <laughs> it'll make it easy, easily, e- easy in criminal proceedings to be like, ah. Oh, Reasonable doubt. Jury, like, come on. It's just millions of goofing around. Or at least he might have been goofing around. And you can't rule out that he was goofing around. So there's doubt there. Lean into the doubt. Let millions get back to the recording studio. Keep him out of jail. I've got to send him a big, juicy invoice. Okay, well... Let's move criminal back to Alex. <laughs> Some more criminal law advice for me. Like, you don't have an actual zero criminal law, like genuinely zero. So this is just me making it up as I go. Uh, but, like, right. if, if there was, like, a sort of Freaky Friday sort of situation mm. and you woke up in the morning and you got this text message being like, Peach, we need you at court 9 a.m. You are defending yep. Stalin Mc, like McVeigh, who mm. is Australia's worst serial killer. Like, could you just show up and be like, guys, what's up? It's Peach, hugely, it's your boy. Hugely, because, like, there are so, so many times in court where someone's like, oh, okay, I only just came into the matter this morning, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so I'd just show up and be like, hey, I got this text message. Um, I don't know what this is about, but I'm here. Uh, if, if we could get four weeks just in adjournment, that'd be really great. I haven't spoken to anyone else about it, but I think it's, I think it's probably fair enough that I should get four weeks. All right, sick. Today we're doing we're doing a movie called Psycho Gorman. I hope MF Doom's in it. Many moons ago, a nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, treat your cock. screams as I rip. Is this yours? Oh. Be? Oh my god. The gem of Paraxidike. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. Uh, and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye! Mom, Dad. I want you to meet Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. I'm gonna kill everybody, not unless I tell him to. What did you three maniacs get up to? Um, this is getting a little weird. This sick game must come to an end. She will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude. Kill him! Cool. ultimate evil has awoken. There's a new god in town. And his name? Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. So I think in 2013, there was the Charlie XCX Iggy Azalea single, where I think Iggy Azalea has like 16 pretty shit bars. 
I forgot what the song's called, but it's the first things first, I'm the realist, which for Iggy Azalea to say is just the funniest fucking opening line I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, we, you, we have a, an Australian woman from Byron mm. who was like a massive hippie, made her way to the States. Yeah, made friends with T.I. Yeah. yeah, found herself in Atlanta, put on an Atlantean accent that... Mm. She adopts to this day, even though she grew up until she was an adult in Byron Bay, mm. which is the most gentrified, most yep. white part of Australia. Yep. And there's a lot of those places in Australia. Yep. And I remember everyone was like, have you heard this Iggy Azalea song? Fancy. Right? It's this Iggy Azalea. She's amazing. And what is forgotten, like I say what is actually genuinely forgotten in pop culture is that's a Charlie XCX song. Oh. Right, and and Shag, we've sort of hinted at it off mic. Is Charlie XCX like the greatest pop star we have? Like, I've had boys in my head all day. I presume that's 18 months, 24 months old now, so it's a bit played out. But is she one of the best we've got? If you look at her solo work Hmm. alone, amazing, right? Hmm. And on that Muramasa record in 2017 as well? So fancy, right? Take out a year's out. Like, yes. I enjoy first things first. Like I, I get like she's the worst, but it's yeah. like when I when I hear that, I'm like, oh, sick, that's great. But then the rest of the song, I don't need Iggy at all, and it's yeah. just that hook, and it's just that beat, right? Mm. But then you think about, okay, well, that's that's the only world conquering pop song Charlie XX has been a part of outside mm. of a solo career, and then you remember Icona Pops, I love it, which oh. was also a Charlie XCX production. Like, mm. come on, this woman has form. Yeah. Would you recognise her walking down the street as well? Like, I feel like she's famous enough, but also, like, could just show up, like, take a beach holiday, uh, like, on the south coast of New South Wales or something, very happily. I feel like she's kind of similar to Lady Gaga in the sense that Mm. she has a lot of fun with her looks. She's very Mm. chameleonic. Mm. So if I just saw her just hanging out in casual wear or, like, active Mm. wear... I'm not sure I'd recognize her. Yep. Whereas if I saw her in the stuff from like the most the the most recent single or mm. the things she's worn in iconic performances, like yes, I would totally recognize her. So your advice to her would be that if you don't want to be spotted, just swing by Uniqlo before you head out <laughs> on holiday and buy some real boring stuff. I swear to God, there have been mm. so many interviews with like, and this is why I compare it to Lady Gaga. There's been mm. so many interviews with Lady Gaga. I'm like, that's Lady Gaga, <laughs> and I don't mean that in like I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean in a way. Where where it's like you so effortlessly are able to just change your entire appearance and it's mm. it's it's the hair it's makeup it's the outfit it's the swagger it's the sound all of those things combined you know it's it's the sort of thing madonna used to have a charlie mm. xcx is is our new madonna yep swagged out peach uh does it as well from time to time he just needs <laughs> to drop the swagger and it's fine shag that trailer looked pretty interesting uh, <laughs> It was funny because I feel like the stakes were so low. Like I sort of have in my head, I'm like, oh, it's just a goof. And I can't quite see past that that artifice just having seen the trailer. Like I'll be interested to hear if this one progresses more deeply than wouldn't it be funny if we sent a love letter to the live action He-Man movie in the late 1980s? I don't, I don't really know what to say about this film. Like mm. it's awful. Like it is, oh. it is awful, but... Awful in an amazing way in that it can kind of do no wrong. Because this film... the bar's so low. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's, it's, I think it's something we're going to see a lot more of, um, especially in the horror genre, as our society progresses down the wormhole of every single person being a creator and having mm. pretty sophisticated tools to create and not needing a studio system to create. 
So Psycho Gorman, to your point, yes, is a love letter to the 80s live action films. It's also from a crew that love mixing horror and comedy. So it's an incredibly gory film. Uh, It has something that's like the Uncanny Valley, but not the Uncanny Valley in that, I don't know what you call it, like... The Canny Valley? The Canny Valley, or like the unprofessional recessional or something. I don't know, where it's like... <laughs> it has to rhyme. Where, where, it's, Valley it's really hard to find a rhyme for unprofessional. <laughs> where it's clear that the money for props and costumes was incredibly low, but the ingenuity and the love put to them makes them just as treasured as they would be, probably even more so than if this was like a $200 million studio production. Is this whatever the... I think you've used an expression like you can see the seams or something Mm. like that, and you can see that they've been lovingly stitched together, but you can see the seams. So the reason I want to talk about this film is Mm. that it, it it was basically made to be a cult film, you know, like yeah, okay. uh, once once you're in the horror genre, once you're a lover of the horror genre, it makes sense to aspire to be cult because <laughs> the bar sets so low. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and it was probably I think it was on the verge of being probably pretty big, and mm. it was due to hit cinemas. It was due to hit South by Southwest in March 2020, um... and then obviously the whole fucking world shut down. It since got bought by Shutter and a few other places, and it's found its home there. It's been reviewed a lot of places. Like, a lot of very reputable places have found this film. A lot of people saw this trailer and were like, I need to see this film. And the reviews generally are pretty great. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an overall rating of 91%, an average user rating of 7.2. Both of those pretty high. But does that, yeah, that, that kind of speaks to a rabid fan base to me of being like, oh, like super fan service, super nostalgia power. But, but, but then you think about all of those, you know, these are the, the people reviewing this mm. aren't like horror.com and Splatbulbabool or whatever yeah. those places are called, <laughs> yeah. Splatbulbabool. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's The Globe, it's Variety, it's The Austin Chronicle, it's Pace, it's RogerEbert.com. Mm. These are all the places reviewing this, adding up to that 91% score. Mm. This one particularly from Variety, I really like it's droll enough schlock in quote marks diversion and part of its appeal is just how damn cheap it is in the omni tech era it's fun to see a filmmaker build an fx fantasy out of scraps from the ground up i think this is the appeal of this right to your point the bar is so low this team made this for basically nothing they've let Mm. the seams show so it's in a perfect position where every fault you're like oh well they couldn't help it. It was a cheap production. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like this, this is how much money it made at the box office when it was finally allowed to screen in cinemas. It made $95,000. That's amazing. It made, it made the, the cost of a high-end Toyota... It made in its worldwide release. Two months' salary for you. They may as well have just done. They may as well just have just done your job for eight weeks. <laughs> but like, it also frustrates me though because there's the universal defense of like, oh no, it's meant to be shit, and it's like, well, you can't like, you can't really like. That's the one problem I've got from it. Of of like, oh, it's a bit dumb. It's like, no, you don't get it. It's meant to be dumb. I I, I sort of have a bit of a problem with that. Now, Peach, okay, in the way that you are a great grime lawyer, I'm a great artistic and inspiration lawyer. I agree. And... (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be a Doyle's guide. (laughs) And so the defense, the only Mm. way you can use that defense 
is if the sincerity shows through the film. Yeah, and okay. there is a keen sincerity all through this film that they loved what they do, they love the genre, they love horror, they love comedy, mm. and they wanted to make it all work. And because of that, the defense stands, I think. And I'm ruling, I'm slamming my gavel. So you're both the lawyer and the judge. <laughs> <laughs> and the jury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a lot to learn about criminal law. I obviously have a lot to learn. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, before we begin, before we begin, mm. I told you last week mm. I was going to... God, this has been the longest preamble to a film ever, right? Man, Tuscan leather. Tuscan leather. I'm really excited to talk about this. Mm. But last week, during the episode, which you can't remember, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it yet. It was a pretty good episode. Oh, is this a migraine episode? Yeah. Yeah, I don't recall which one was. No, I don't. I don't recall it off the top of my head. My my migraine feels better. <laughs> we talked about the boy behind the door. It was another film that featured on Shutter. I mm. asked you to put aside your beef with Shutter for an episode because I had a cool story about Shutter, and I yep. just want to tell you the story about Shutter. Right. Okay. So are they sponsoring us or something? Like like. No. Okay. Well, yeah. No. All right. Good. No. And also, even if they were Peach, you could say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. There's no, like, you know, we are we are the Rage Against the Machine of podcasts in the sense that we are Tom Morello with his garage full of 20 cars oh, I- telling you, <laughs> telling you, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. You know how they were on Sony? Like, this is the funniest <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> Here's the anarchist cookbook on the inside cover. And I was like, this is pretty sick. So, <laughs> oh, that bass player. I just love the other bass player who just was always so grateful to be in the band. He's like, guys, <laughs> I'm in this band. I really love this band. How cool is it that I get to be in this band? I think, look, I mean, it is tough, right? Like, uh, you know, I remember looking up, uh, like I was trying to find out what was happening to Zach De La Rocha recently. And all I could find, because he's so, like, he's so like, hidden from the world. He's hidden from the press. He doesn't have any, like, presence on, like, social media or anything. What I did find was a listing of a real estate that was trying to sell his mid-priced family bungalow in, uh, like, I'm not going to say, like, in LA, like, somewhere in LA, that was, like, it was just a family home. It wasn't, like, he he obviously hadn't gone for flash. It was just a nice family home. It wasn't crazy expensive either. And by Sydney prices, it was, like, you wouldn't be able to buy a place within 20 Ks of the city at like, you know, yeah. for the lead singer of one of the biggest rock bands of the world, mm. it was, it was quite a humble experience. And yet the comments on the story were like, what a sellout having a house. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it's tough, it's like, tough right? Yeah, like it's yeah. tough to be part of this society, but also fight against the society. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. And look, it's, it's the line you and I are walking on this. And we're like, Oh, well, we're wrong. Like, our ideas are right, but our execution is a little bit skewed. <laughs> so let me so let me explain this story, right? Yeah. Because I think, like the Zach Della Rocha story, this mm. shows that at the end of the day, we're humans fighting against not just capitalist patriarchy, capitalist, capitalist patriarchy, mm. but capitalism inside our hearts. Yep, yeah, I get it. Which 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 we're trying to like get out, right? So anyway, so. I was getting to the end of my shutter run. Like I, I did what you do. Like there are too many streaming services now. Yep. It's like I saw Paramount Plus come out and I'm like, what Ugh. do you even have? Like what is, like it was all these stars I'd never seen. I've heard an ad for, like because Jamie Loftus has another great podcast, which I think we've, 
did we speak about this last week when I couldn't remember? Yeah, okay. we, 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 we spoke about Jamie last week. <laughs> but there's an ad for Paramount Plus that's like, do you love the mayor of whatever, the mayor of Easttown? <laughs> well, there's a different show in Paramount Plus that's similar, <laughs> you know, like thematically similar in a general way. But maybe you'll enjoy that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, congratulations. So I guess the new way to experience them, because you can't, mm. you can't, you just can't sign up to them all. It just mm. ends up being like, prohibitively expensive Mm. so you sign up for one when it's got enough of shows you want to check out you wait for it to like hit a tipping point of shows i want to check out then you marathon them all and then you get rid of them yep i did a similar thing to shutter shutter had a number of cult films i wanted to see Mm. i saw them all the last one was psycho gorman i got rid of my membership then was like, Psycho Gorman's the last one I want to watch. I thought I had the date right for when it was going to oh, shut off. No! But I had the date in terms of Australian times, not in terms of no. whatever times it's based on, oh, right? so you've been paying for three months or something and haven't So, realized. yeah, we were, well, I got the free trial and then I paid for like a couple of months after, right? Yep. And so we were watching Psycho Gorman and then it stopped working. And the internet sucks in Australia, so it's usually like, oh, what the fuck? Buddy, <laughs> like, Scott Morrison, fuck off, I hate you. But it wasn't that. I couldn't sign back into Shutter. And then when I tried to, it was like, sign up for an account. And I was like, oh, fuck. Halfway through Psycho Gorman. Oh, no. I've run out. And Adele was like, don't worry, I'll fix this. I'll sign up for a trial account. Then afterwards, I'll cancel my account. And we are like, cool. So we did that. We watched Psycho Gorman. Then, of course, I think the trial account's only a week and you always forget. So it rolled over and she's like, fuck, I've got to cancel. But then when she saw her charge, it was for the full year rather than uh, the month nice. by month. Now, it's cheaper to get the whole year, but you still have to pay for a whole year. Mm. From a UX standpoint, I think that's pretty bad practice to have the year selection pre-selected. I think that's actually pretty predatory and like the darker side of late stage capitalism, really. Yes. Do you want to, Shag, do you want to make a sale or build a relationship, Shutter? And your fucking gift. Well, no, no, yeah. but here, no, but here, but this is, this is where the story gets to a resolution where I'm like, actually, now I really love Shutter. Because straight away, Adele sends an email being like, hey guys, I signed up for a free trial. I've now been charged for a year. I never intended for this. Mm. I don't love that. You know, was basically, like, was very polite, but also sort of politely firm in that, like, I don't think this is cool. Straight away, like mm. within hours, replies being like, that shouldn't have happened. Oh my gosh, we're going to change you to the monthly. We're going to refund you and we're going to refund you just a bit extra because yeah, this isn't cool. And it's that moment where you're like, oh wow, at the end of the day, these people are just humans. And these like these structures, these entities, mm. they're capitalists. But at the end of the day, humans kind of just want to look after each other. And that just made me both love Shudder but love humanity. That was my Shudder story. It left me with a really warm and fuzzy feeling. But surely if you love Shudder for that reason, you love Shudder's competitors who are going to put it out of business or you love the liquidators of Shudder when it gets wound up. Like, or, you know, she, like, do you love them too? Like, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I give a fuck with, like, <laughs> like I, I certainly don't love Shudder. The fact that nice people work there doesn't help. Like, we've spoken about, you know, like there are people I love who work at Facebook and the view I take is like, well, you know, someone's got to work at the most evil place in the world and it may, like, you know, and it may, it may as well be, it may as well be people in my family. Well, no, that's a tough call because mm. at the end of the day, 
it's going to get to a point where like half the world either works at Facebook or Alphabet or Amazon and no contracted by it. none of them will work there it'll all be yeah. like oh no you don't like you're just <laughs> and and I use Amazon Prime and I and we use Instagram mm. to promote our show you know mm. like we are we have blood on our hands yep so so do you if you're listening so I appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> alright okay should we get to Psycho Gorman should we yes, do this let's, yeah let's do it my computer's got 37% charge so <laughs> <laughs> alright <laughs> so it's a quick one <laughs> I'm gonna try and be mm. really quick so after inte- this is how it begins so after an in, t- uh, in fact uh, <laughs> This is Psycho Gorman, created by a Canadian filmmaking group called Astron 6, who've done some other great stuff. Mm. They've also made one of the few recent films that's been banned in Australia, Father's Day, that also exists on Shutter that I've been too scared to watch because it's about an evil demon that rapes dads on Father's Day. It sounds awful. <laughs> and, and, is that and, what it's about? And probably rightly so that it is one of the... There's, like, if you look at the banned films in Australia, it's like a handful of films. This came out in 2012, and this is one of them. This is one of the many films that came out that the Australian board was like, no, nah, this is too much. Yeah, of course. It's and like, yeah, you can. In fact, yeah, you can watch it on. Show. I don't know how that works. Uh, it's so that is dumb. really weird. Well, isn't that a breach of the code? Like, isn't what we understood from Rob that like if it was yeah. unclassified, it couldn't be shown? In There's a lot of films on Shutter that have a non-rating rating, which is I don't know how that works. It just shows how badly organised Shutter are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not their lawyer. <laughs> All right. Okay. Although so, I would take instructions from the liquidator of Shutter, that's fine. <laughs> I love legal jokes so much. <laughs> more, that's the swag. More, that's more swag. Stuff. That's peach swag. That's peach swag. And you put like you would have that as like a ten second reply to a question on TikTok with like an emoji that's just like the. <laughs> well, it's like it just like yeah. My whole TikTok approach is I want to spend as little time on TikTok as possible, and so yeah, like a lot of people edit and do a lot of hashtags and stuff, and I'm like, oh fucking like I don't know, yes, no, this, <laughs> like fucking I don't know. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Psycho Gorman yeah. from Copy 2020. Copy a case note on TikTok. What's up? Get at me. <laughs> So after an intense match of their homemade game Crazy Ball, now Crazy Ball is like it, it. This becomes a thing in the movie, so you've got to remember what it is. It's basically this made-up sort of game of dodgeball, but there's all these different rules where you have to like jump around in the spot and like turn around. It's 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 a game. It's it's one of those kids' games where it's like this brother and sister have an elaborate game they play in the backyard. I, like, I'm sort of moderately irritated already by having my nostalgia strings pulled. You know, it feels like a romantic... It feels like a Richard Curtis film or something like that. Like, I, let's... Come on. Like, you can do it, Psycho Gorman. Let's... Okay. Let's be a proper movie. So, siblings Mimi and Luke discover a strange glowing gem in a grave that Luke has been forced to dig by the domineering Mimi for losing. So, there's a big part of this film what? in which... So, so Mimi... Mimi is like... A, like it, it, it's... This is a really tough film to describe by a synopsis because it's both a an homage to 80s kids' films. It's very much a contemporary comedy in the vein of, like, Tim and Eric, in which it's sort of very internet sort of humour that sort of none of it really makes any sense. Lots of people making extreme reactions and saying extreme things for no reason. Yeah, okay. But, there, but it's also a horror film, right? And we've talked before about how hard it is to act drunk, how hard it is yep. to act, you know, throwing up. Yep. I think being a kid and acting is really tough. Ugh. 
comedy is the hardest thing to act. We know that. It's really hard to do comedy. Mm. Now try and do comedy that's an homage to two different genres. And so you can kind of see why these kids find it really hard to carry this movie. But I just have to say right now, Mimi is terrible in this film. Like, I just... (laughs) Just just so, like, distractingly bad. I would almost say this film, I would recommend this film to everyone except for her performance. And I know this sounds harsh, but I was reading lately that at some point in kids' developments, positive reinforcement stopped working as well as negative reinforcement. <laughs> and, and someone s- should have said, maybe you're really fucking up. Now. Well, if, if, she was, if she was seven or under, I'd be like, you know what, Mimi, let's work out some ways to improve this. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, this isn't good. Like, this is just, it's not funny. It's not working for me. And there are so many takes where I'm like, wow, that was the take you went on on the day. Like, that was that was number one. But there are child labour laws, so you only get, like, three hours work from a child per day. So I guess you just got to take the best of what you end up with. So anyway, so that night, an alien monster emerges from the hole. The monster enters an old shoe factory and brutally kills a group of thieves hiding out there, except for one he keeps alive in, in a tortured form as art. Okay, so this is this is the point where you're like, oh, wow, this is actually an homage to, like, maybe not horror, but at least over-the-top gore films, like, you yeah. know, Peter Jackson's early work. In the way that, like, he makes some of them explode. He makes one of them, like, all of his guts sort of cover the wall in, like, an organ... Like, almost like, like a flat lay of guts. Cool. If you were going to do, like, a beautiful flat lay but have, like, someone's, like, liver and then both of their intestines and their blood and stuff, are, like, that on the wall, right? Sounds awesome. And then there's this one other guy that he... Ca- like, I don't know if it, if it comes later on, but mm. he sort of keeps him standing there frozen and you watch his eyeballs spin in their sockets which is probably the grossest thing I saw. like it's actually really good like imagine looking at that it's so gross it's so gross yeah that's good that's good I like that so the next day Mimi and Luke follow a trail to the shoe factory discovering the monster the monster identifies himself as Archduke of Nightmares a deadly alien warrior imprisoned on earth after attempting to destroy the galaxy in a rampage he prepares to kill the children. And there's there's a nice running joke through Psycho Gorman where it's like, he's not like a friendly giant. It's like, no, no, he wants to just kill everything and everyone. Like, he just wants utter destruction of the galaxy. Uh, where he discovers Mimi is in possession of the gem, which allows whoever wielding it to command him. Excited at this opportunity, because Mimi is this sort of domineering, bossy, mm. I only do what I want sort of kid. Again, mm. played terribly, but that's the character. <laughs> I love going in on this child actor. It's awesome. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm like, it's it's negative reinforcement. I hope it works. <laughs> Mimi dubs the alien Psycho Gorman, or PG for short, which is like a fun play on the fact that this is a very PG sort of yep. genre, but it's it's a very gory version of it. And quickly gets to work commanding PG around despite Luke's concern. Luke being her brother, mm. who she just bosses around as well. So now she's bossing Luke and PG around. Mm. Meanwhile... A group of aliens called the Planetary Alliance. Now, this is where I get the unprofessional recessional or whatever I call that thing in, (laughs) in that this set and these costumes are clearly made out of cardboard and crappy things from around the house, but they're so lovingly put together (sighs) and so artfully done that I love it. it's, It's like watching... It's like watching a really great kids play where you're like, wow, you did all this work? Well, it's like you don't 
take a critical eye to your children's performances. You're just like, wow, look at all the work you put in. Yeah, but I take a critical eye to other children's performances. <laughs> like that's that's the point of like I'm not friend, like I'm not the parents of the people making this film. Like I don't give a fuck about their feelings. Like I would rather watch a better film is sort of what I have going in my head. It's like, no, the point is it's shit. And it's like, well, if the point is for me not to enjoy, you know, if the point is for you to show me worse than what I could have otherwise seen, then what are we doing here? I think I think the point isn't for you to enjoy it. I think the point is for you to see through the the obvious mis the misgivings and see the 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 loving work behind it. This is how you get the MF dooms of the world. Everyone be like, oh, it's good that he's shit. <laughs> anyway, so this planetary alliance discover PG has escaped the imprisonment they cast him in. Mm. They send Pandora, a noble warrior and member of PG's mortal enemies, the Templars, to stop PG. Pandora assumes the appearance of a human woman by killing a real one and taking her skin as a suit and travels to Earth. They actually do this really great scene where they just transport a human woman to this table on this planet. And she's like, where am I? And then Pandora creates this sort of like, it's terrible graphics, but it's also pretty gory where creates this sort of box prism around her that just slowly shrinks until it crushes her into a cube of blood that's just left that's just left on the table and then just assumes her form Mimi and Luke introduce their friend Alistair to PG PG tells the children how he was a slave to the Templars on his home planet Gigax to build temples to their gods until he discovered the gem which bonded with him giving him endless strength and power so there is some complexity to this story yeah. in the sense that there are no good guys. The Templars are bad because they were enslaving PG. PG's bad because he just wants to destroy everything. So it's it, it's hard to root for either of them, but they're sort of both. They both have, you know, like you'd, you'd happily defend either of them in the court of art law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'd ask for a four-week adjournment happily. I'd be like, I'm going to need some time. <laughs> so... When he found this gem in this flashback, Mm. he assembled an army called the Paladins of Obsidian and overthrew the Templars. Filled with bloodlust, PG vowed to destroy the galaxy until the Templars and Planetary Alliance worked together to steal the gem and seal PG so he can suffer eternally. When the children leave, PG uses a TV to broadcast a call for help to the Paladins of Obsidian. When they get back, the kids give him food and magazines, apologizing for not having porn it's very much like it's a it's a total joke like it's the sort of humor where they're like sorry we couldn't bring you any porn but pointing out that she brought a magazine called hunky boys pg at first denies being interested in hunky boys but then rethinks it and admits that maybe he is it's kind of nice that they make pg an lgbtqi character oh uh, like i feel like there's a bit of homophobia in there but yeah, i'm not but but yeah like it's that's a really good point and it's it's a hard yeah it's, it's, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to move yeah, on. Yeah, boo. Classic shutter. Classic shutter move. Homophobic so Alistair shutter. comes to Mimi and Luke's house for dinner. Mm. Mimi, who has a crush on Alistair, is annoyed when she's abandoned by the boys so they can play video games. Mimi summons PG to the house and asks him to make Alistair an affectionate playmate. PG proceeds to mutate Alistair into a giant brain creature. So at this point, Alistair becomes this sort of insides turned outside flesh body horror creature with giant eyeballs and tentacles 
that's, again, pretty gross, very slimy, but also <laughs> kind of funny. And it's the joke that he's the same kid, everybody treats him the same, but he's just this gross character that can only grunt and squirt and be like, instead of actually talking. Mimi and Luke's parents, Susan and Greg, see PG and Mimi, introduces him to them, showing how she can control him while PG explains that he will bathe in their blood the second Mimi no longer controls him. Mimi forces PG to accompany the family on activities and become a reluctant friend to the family. So then they have like, they do stuff together and they have the fun montage where yeah, they like take him to... Yeah, like it's Terminator 2, I get it. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, you know, I don't know. Yeah, okay. PG communicates to Luke privately through a nightmare, demanding that he steal the gem off Mimi and return it to him, promising to spare Luke in his rampage if he does so. Luke refuses, clearly scared of Mimi. One day, while out with PG and the mutated Alistair playing Crazy Ball, the kids are approached by two officers who attack PG. PG mutates one of the officers into a deformed bio-cop, so like a body horror zombie, while the other officer escapes. While walking in the woods... Mimi jokingly commands PG to kill Luke, upsetting him. Pandora arrives at the police station and interrogates the police officer that escaped PG for information. In the woods, the paladins of obsidian, of, of, the paladins of obsidian arrive in front of the group. Believing he will be rescued, PG orders them to kill Mimi and Luke, only for the paladins to reveal they liked their life without PG and worked with the Templars to overthrow him. So then PG tries to attack them, but Mimi stops him as punishment for commanding the paladins to kill them. Mimi forces PG to apologize, and when he does, allows him to fight back. PG kills the paladins, particularly their current leader, whom he treats to a warrior's death. Now again, a warrior's death in this film is eating them alive with his giant mouth that grows open, and then eating them alive feet first. Fair enough. Snakes, well, not quite snake style, but yeah, I think I get it. Susan and Greg have another argument over Greg's laser. So there's, there's a subplot about the parents fighting and it, again, the parents are terrible too. Like it's not funny, but it's, but, but again, it's, it's, it's part of the charm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not meant funny. to be shit. Like I just don't, like I just, like it's meant to be shit. It's just not like, I just feel like I, I can't get there, you know, and I get the Tim, Tim and Eric or the between two ferns element or whatever, but it's, Stuff being shit means it's shit. Like, I... Uh, yeah. so, so PG then comes to Greg, the dad, in a vision demanding he collects him and the children from the woods. Greg does, though, and they drive back to the house where Pandora is waiting with Susan. Remember, mm. she's now disguised as a human. Susan suggests they hand over PG to Pandora with Luke rebelling against Mimi and siding with Susan and Pandora because he's over Mimi and he's over the joke of Mimi pretend commanding PG to kill him. Pandora reveals her true form before transforming Susan into an armored warrior like herself to take down PG. At the shoe factory, PG states the gem is the only way to heal him, which Mimi agrees to give him if he spares her and her family, but Mimi discovers she has lost it. Pandora, Susan, and Luke arrive at the shoe factory with Luke being revealed to have stolen the gem. Mimi and Luke fight over the gem while Susan and Greg battle over their marriage. Luke convinces Mimi that the power of the gem and PG have corrupted her. So at this point, Pandora is about to kill PG, but mm. then PG is like, I can decide the terms of the battle uh, according to Templar's code, meaning that Mimi is allowed to select the battle and she chooses Crazy Ball. Crazy Ball. Uh, so now uh, the Templars and PG uh, and the kids uh, uh, have uh, a big game of Crazy Ball. Mimi's team wins, but Pandora moves in to attack Mimi and PG anyway. 
Susan uses her powers to save Mimi, but is quickly reverted to human form by an enraged Pandora. Luke and Mimi reconcile, singing a song with Greg and handing the gem to PG, healing him and giving him the power of a god. PG retrieves his power and defeats Pandora, mostly horrified that she has damaged his magazines in the conflict. Before killing her, he tells Pandora his new name, which he thinks is beautiful. The kids quickly lead their parents away before they can see the carnage of a warrior's death. PG returns the now powerless gem to Mimi, stating that after witnessing the family's affection for each other, he is now powered by love and he will use that love to destroy the galaxy, but promises to spare the family, not having made any promises about the rest of the planet. The family bids farewell to PG and watches as he begins to destroy the town. Meanwhile, Alistair continues to live as a giant brain mutant while on TV, PG in giant form fights the army, and in deep space, the Planetary Alliance debates killing themselves before PG <laughs> That's actually quite okay. quite a funny line. I'm not sure. <laughs> Should we kill ourselves before we get to here? That's pretty funny. And, oh, oh, and then, and then mm. at the very end, over the credits, mm. it has a rap about Psycho Gorman. Like an 80s style rap where it's like, he's a P to the G. He's a like, and it's, it's, it's like, they clearly put in a lot of work to make it authentic. To make it shit. Like, this is sort of the, I mean, I, maybe, maybe this is, yeah, yeah, like, look, when you have a million monkeys and a million typewriters, I guess you do write something for everyone. And maybe I'm just not part of the everyone. Maybe I just don't get it. Maybe I'm too square. Well, Peach, one of the reasons why I wanted to share this with you today mm. is, that I know you've been keeping yourself away from the business side of Spooko Studios. So potentially in your mind, we have hundreds of millions of dollars up our sleeves. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, when we do make charcuterie, mm. it's going to be on a similar budget to Psycho Gorman. <laughs> and we're potentially going to have to rely on the kindness of people being like, they tried their best. <laughs> what a great production. They're just, look at them giving their all the whole way. And I guess I wanted to introduce you to this thought and potentially win you over to this style of filmmaking because potentially this is how charcuterie release date 2023 is going to look and feel like. Yeah, look, I've been really anxious about how we're going to do, I've forgotten our protagonist's name, Cassandra, because I want to have Cassandra rip off the jaw of the first victim in order to force down the force feeding tube. Ugh, and I feel oh, like oh, that's... Pete, that's the first time you've made me sort of wretch. I Jesus. feel like that's a sort of... That's a suitably gruesome image to be like, yeah, like, you know, you empathise with her two-thirds of the film and you're like, okay, she's arrived at, like, ruining people. And I don't know how you do that cheaply. Well, there's there's two options, right? To do it cheaply. CGI, like shit CGI doesn't appeal to me. CGI is just never cheap. Like even shit CGI, like I think is probably out of our budget really. What is our budget? Like what do you think? Because I'm thinking it's (laughs) $500,000. Is that unreasonable? Our budget is... uh, (laughs) Is it lower than that? (laughs) Our budget is... Go to the ATM. (laughs) I'm not putting in my own money. (laughs) Okay, no. uh, uh, Our two options for that scene, I think, and Mm. I'm keen to hear, like, if, you know, if you work in film, if you're a fan of the practical (laughs) arts, my thought is there's two ways. Mm. There's a very close-up shot that cuts away with very graphic sound effects. So really good foley that's just like... (laughs) 
that sort of thing. Yeah. To really make the brain feel like that's what it's seeing. And then like a triumphant shot of the hand holding yeah. a bloody jaw. Yeah. Y- yeah, okay. Or second way in mm. is a very psychogormany, paper mache sort of head where we basically pull the thing out, lots of tomato sauce, lots of Allen snakes, lots of store-bought cow intestines coming out of the thing. They're kind of our two options for that shot at the moment. But then I'm keen to hear if anybody wants to come on as the special effects and practical effects consultant. Or the financier. I think that's even, <laughs> I think that's more important. If anyone wants to come in, come in as, the, as the rich uncle investor, that's who we want to come on. Get into it. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? A nameless evil once buried forever Now he's awake and he's ready for terror But hold up, wait, there's a catch This kid Mimi has a plan to hatch With the magic gem, she has the power The monster's a friend, it's her finest hour They'll go on adventures, cause all kinds of trouble Blow up the world and dance on the rubble First he needs a name Something cool, it can't be lame That's when it struck her, so cool and so mean The monster would be named